You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. Morning. Peace be with you. Merry Christmas. Man, it's so awesome to say those words. Uh, I'm a big Christmas junkie, so the whole idea of, of being able to say that as I come and preach for the first time to Sojourn is especially exciting. And I wanted to say, uh, first off, my name is Chase Woodhouse. I'm one of the church planting residents here. Um, but I wanted to say how um, grateful I am to be a part of this church family and uh, how grateful my family is. And I say church family intentionally because this, this congregation truly is a family. And over the past, I don't know, nine, ten months, whatever it is that we've been here, um, <clears throat> this family has welcomed my family so well and cared for us and loved us. And um, so it's especially an honor to be able to bring the word of the Lord this morning to my church family. And so um, let's pray together and then we'll get started. Father, we come before you and we bless your name. We thank you that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose from the dead, that he ascended to the right hand of God. We thank you for this time where we can open up the word of the Lord and and hear. And Father, I pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would comfort us with your love, that you would challenge us to lay aside all the sin that entangles and to walk with you. May we be filled with your love as we leave today. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so it's the first Sunday of Advent, which again is especially exciting for me. And it's a really, Advent is such a unique opportunity to be able to step back into the reality of the weary world, right? That song that we love to sing. We, we have the opportunity to step back into a time where the world was weary and there were prophecies of the the coming Messiah, but that people didn't know who he would be, when he would come, what would happen ultimately, and they were weary and tired and waiting, and then on Christmas morning, hope was birthed, Jesus was born, and then he went on to die, rise from the dead, and to ascend on high, And, and it's an opportunity for us to be in this weariness, to sit in it. Because it's not hard for us to, to sit in that. We live in a broken world and we are tired and we are weary and we long for our coming King. But the birth of Jesus is an opportunity for us to taste that God will come again, that the second advent of Jesus will happen. We get to celebrate that, that all the promises of God have their yes in Jesus, and the promise that he will come back will be fulfilled. And so today, I'm excited to, to begin Advent in this time of hope. But the text is a little confusing. You know, when I first got the text, I was kind of like, okay, we're doing the triumphal entry, entry Palm Sunday on first Sunday of Advent. But, but one of the pastors said something that was really good and funny. Uh, it's basically a record scratch moment. If you go into the movie theaters and you sit down and get your popcorn, you're ready. maybe you don't do that anymore, COVID, but um, you used to and you sit down and you're on the screen and you, and you watch and then all of a sudden the movie starts and there's this massive fight scene, 
right? And all these characters are going around, they're fighting, and you're like, what in the world? Did I just did I get into the wrong movie? Like, did I come in late? Uh, and then the record scratches, and the freeze frame happens, and the narrator says, I'll bet you're wondering how I got here. Let's go back to the beginning. So really, we're at a record scratch moment. We're, we're celebrating the beginning of Jesus' life by looking at the end. And, and what I want us to take from this text today is pretty simple. I want us to see that this is the humble pronouncement of the King of Peace. And I want to start by kind of creating a contrast. King Adad Narai II is probably not a name you've ever heard of. He was a king uh, of Assyria, uh, actually before the, the Jewish exile. And during his time as a ruler, he had these phrases written on his wall. I want to read them to you. I am royal. I am lordly. I am mighty. I am honored. I am exalted. I am glorified. I am powerful. I am all powerful. I am brilliant. I am lion brave, I am manly, I am supreme, and I am noble. When I hear these phrases, I can't help but feel like, man, this guy must be really self-conscious, right? To have these things written on his wall to try to build himself up. But I also think he's doing it for another reason. I think he's writing these words on the wall so that whenever any one of his subjects comes into his palace or whatever he has, they would know that he is greater. And they would know that what the king wants is what the king gets, and you ain't got no hope. You have no hope but to submit to King Adad Narari II because he's brilliant and royal and lion brave and all of those things. And I want us to take a minute to contrast this with King Jesus. Because make no mistake, when Jesus rides in on a donkey to Jerusalem, he is declaring that he is a king. And we're going to get to this more later. But he is publicly declaring for the first time that he is a king. And he rides in on a donkey. Which in Middle Eastern culture, um, some of you will know this, some of you won't, to ride in on a donkey as a king is to declare peace to the city. Whatever city you're going into, you're riding in as a king who's declaring peace so, so the people don't have to freak out. But if you rode in on a war horse, well, it ain't going to be good for your city. And so when Jesus comes in and he rides in on a donkey, what he is doing is he is declaring himself to be the king of peace to his enemies, to those who have sinned against him. And I want us to take a minute, especially in light of Advent, to take a step back and think about Jesus and his life, right? So Jesus was born of his Virgin Mary and born in a manger, right? A feeding trough for animals. This is the king of the world born into a feeding trough, born to parents who were poor. And then he is um, threatened and his parents have to flee. So Jesus becomes a refugee in Egypt for a few years. We don't know how long. And then he comes back and he's raised in Nazareth, which is one of the worst towns to live in. And then as he you know, grows up, he becomes likely a carpenter, which is a lowly position. And then he starts his ministry. Right? Then he starts to, to gather a following and show the people that he is the king. But 
but he doesn't gather who people might think he would. If you think about the king, especially in light of King Adad Narari II, you would think he's going to gather the elites, the religious elites, the leaders, the zealots, because the zealots, they know how to fight, right? He can gather an army. But Jesus, the king, does not do that. Who does he gather as his followers? The lowly, the broken, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners. So much so that he's known as a friend of sinners and also known as a drunkard and a glutton. King Jesus would ride in on a donkey declaring peace and would ultimately come to die. The humility of God is astounding. Here's the crazy thing. Every single thing that King Adad Narari II says about himself is true about Jesus. He is royal. He is lordly. He is all-powerful. He is lion brave. He is manly. He is supreme. And yet, he came to serve. Why? Because he loves us. Because he cares for us. What hope for a weary world. But I think sometimes you and I struggle, if you're like me, to really believe this. To really believe that Jesus came to save you and love you. I think it's really easy for us, if you're like me, to think of God as otherworldly, better than us, and looking down on us to hope that we get it right. It's just, all right, man, you got to figure this out because I'm better than you and you just got to do your thing. We see Jesus often through the lens of King Adad Narari II. And don't get me wrong, he is those things. He is holy. He is Otherworldly, he is amazing. But when we read a text in Isaiah 55, I think it's going to show us that we're prone to see Jesus this, uh, this more majestic than us way. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's easy for us to look at this passage and to think, yeah, he's just better. And he is. But notice the two verses before. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Do you see what is happening in this text? What is greater than anything we can imagine is that God is willing to pardon sinners, that God is so willing to welcome us back in that he would be born a king, majestic, all glory due to his name, and yet he's born as a servant. As Paul says in Philippians, he emptied himself to be a servant to the point of death. So, Montrose, behold your king. This is a God that we serve that loves us so much. If you struggle to see Jesus in this way, let me encourage you with this text. He is coming to you declaring peace, just like he did in Jerusalem. He is coming to declare peace. To you, if you would repent and believe 
in his gospel. But not only that, not only is it amazing that Jesus, who he is, is so amazing, but in riding on a donkey, he declares some amazing truths. In 1987, Princess Diana um, opened up a ward of of a hospital for HIV patients. And at the time in England in 1987, um, there was this, uh, this idea that you couldn't even shake hands with someone who had HIV. Otherwise, you would get the virus. Casual contact would make you get HIV. And the scientists and doctors were trying to push back against it, but it didn't work. So Princess Diana opens up this ward, and she goes around, and she's shaking hands, no gloves on, with the doctors and nurses. And none of the patients wanted to shake her hand because they didn't want to be seen on television as someone with HIV. But one person who was dying said, yeah, I'll do it. And the big question was, is she going to shake his hand with gloves on or not? And she went and she shook his hand without gloves. And the trajectory of England or the UK at that time changed. People became more open to shaking hands with HIV patients and not seeing them as, honestly, lepers. One small act changed everything. When Jesus rides in on a donkey, he is declaring so much more than maybe you and I know. He is fulfilling a prophecy in Zechariah 9, which says this. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So we see Jesus fulfilling this prophecy, and everyone knew. That's why some people laid out palms. That's why some people wanted to kill him. He was fulfilling a messianic prophecy and claiming to be this king. But have you ever read the rest of Zechariah? Have you seen the different prophecies in Zechariah about the king and the kingdom? And, and that would be a whole other sermon, so buckle in, we're going to do, I'm just kidding. Um, we're gonna, I'm just going to highlight three points for us that we see in Zechariah to encourage us. One, in Zechariah 2, the kingdom would be a place where Zion, or Jerusalem, is overflowing with people from all over the world, and the Lord would be in, in the midst of them, and they would dwell in complete peace, because the Lord is a wall of fire around them. Another beautiful part of Zechariah is that the branch of the Lord is prophesied about. Now, the Hebrew word can be branch. It can also mean vine, which should make you think back to John when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. But this branch of the Lord is actually going to be a king and a priest at the same time. He will rule as king in the temple of God. And then the last thing I want to point out is that Zechariah talks about how in one day, the sins of all the people would be forgiven, which was impossible, seemingly. So when King Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, here's what happens. When he dies a few days later on the cross, the sins of all the people who would believe in his name are forgiven in a moment. And then when he rises from the dead and ascends to the throne, he is seated at the right hand of God on the throne of David as the ruler who also now mediates between us and God. And then, look in this room. 
The nations have gathered together to worship the name of the Lord, and the Lord is here protecting us. It's not a physical protection. We still go through trials. We still go through brokenness. We still go through everything that is bad and broken in this world. But but what God has done is he has sealed us, and he has protected us, and he will hold us fast until he comes and establishes a new Zion where we will physically be safe and the Lord will be a wall of fire around us. This is what King Jesus is pronouncing to the world. He has come to deliver us. He has come to establish a good kingdom where we now worship the Lord freely, where we have freedom to follow him, where we get to learn from our humble, gentle king who loves us. But we're not there yet. We're not in Zion physically where where we are safe and the Lord has come back and fully established his kingdom. So what are we to do now, brothers and sisters? We are to serve our king and to mimic him who came not to build up his name but to serve, but to empty himself, to be obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our role now in this kingdom is to lay aside the kingdom of self. If you're like me, you're prone to building up that kingdom. It's so easy to build up that kingdom. Right? You want that next job, that better car. You want to feel loved and accepted. You want to feel like you've got power over here. You want to feel like all these different things. It's really easy to build up the kingdom of self. What Jesus has done through his death and resurrection is he has inaugurated a new kingdom where we have the opportunity to die to the kingdom of self and to serve his kingdom. So what do we do? We run to our brothers and sisters and encourage them. We build them up. We love them. We serve them. We care for them. We go all out to be sure our brothers and sisters hold fast. We love them deeply, But not only that, we are also like our king, and we go to the lost. We have the opportunity to go tell it on a mountain that Jesus is born. There are people that have not heard of King Jesus. There are people who have heard false things about King Jesus, and we have the opportunity to go and to declare, Behold, the king, he's here. And he's not King Adad Narari II, not a jerk. Not someone who's aloof, who doesn't care, who doesn't know what's intimately going on. Not only because he knows us, but because he's experienced it. We serve a king who knows you and loves you and who is willing to come die for you. We have this message to go and tell. Third and Montrose, our king is good. He's humble. The king of peace and his kingdom is good. And I want to end today with another story, um, a Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life, right? Great movie. And in It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey is is constantly doing things. By the way, spoiler alert, you'll have to get over it. It's been out for a long time. Um, He's doing all of these good things for people, but but he really wants to do his own thing. He wants to go on a trip. He wants to go to college, I don't know, whatever else. And he's constantly doing these good things, but he's also feeling just depressed. He's like, I wanted to do these things, and I'm not able to do them. He gets so depressed that he goes and he 
potentially is going to commit suicide. And of course, the angel comes and shows him what would this town, I forgot the name, be like without George Bailey? What would your family be like? And what he learns in that movie is that serving others is far greater than serving the kingdom of self. Sojourn, we don't just serve others for the sake of serving others. We serve others because our king has come and served us. He's rode, ridden on a donkey into Jerusalem to die and rise from the dead for us. So let us go and serve others. Let's pray.